Listener Production. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, Jacob. How was your week? My week is excellent. Mm. Um, what have I been up to? I want to say the AFL Grand Final was probably the highlight of the last week, which might be unexpected. <laughs> But actually, I have been thinking, actually, before I say anything else, I had some messages from some people Mm. over the weekend after they'd listened to the episode that we published last week Mm. where you told me that you thought that I was the kind of person who would show up to the Queen's uh, (laughs) dead body in a box (laughs) that we don't even know is there. And some friends messaged me and said, you are exactly the type of person who would line up to see the Queen's dead body in a box. (laughs) Validated. Oh, I feel very seen. So you've learned a bit about yourself I in have. the past week. So there was the being that being validated that I would mm-hmm. apparently line up and go and see her, <laughs> and I can see more of myself in it now. Mm-hmm. And also, the AFL Grand Final was the past weekend, mm-hmm. and then another thing that like I do really like the AFL and Geelong are my team, but mm-hmm. also just like being part of something is so yeah. much fun. <laughs> And then I was talking before we started recording with our uh, social producer, Zoe, about what I was up to for the weekend. I was like, oh, a bit of this, bit of that. <gasps> the London Marathon's on this weekend. Oh, my <laughs> Which is another thing that is just like a highlight of my year, <gasps> another thing that I be, can be a part of. How, as a spectator from yep. the other side of the planet. Yeah. You treat marathons as a spectator sport. I, watched, I am loving peeling back this onion. I watched the so Tokyo Women's layers. Marathon. From prob- start to finish. Probably about three or four times. <laughs> my One of my Hinge prompts at the moment, the online dating app Hinge, mm-hmm. one of my prompts is when was the last time you cried? And it was Jessica Stenson winning the Women's Marathon at the 2022 Commonwealth Games. I am obsessed. <laughs> They're my favourite sport to watch. <laughs> oh, every week we learn something more about <laughs> so that's what I've been up to. producer Lindsay Green. Um, before we get into this week's episode, I've got a bit of an update. Have you heard Sherry Papini was sentenced last week? I have heard nothing. I'm trying to be very method in my just a gist character, uh-huh. so I'm switching off from all news, the, girl. the only news I get is via this podcast. That is the correct approach, I think. Um, well, I can tell you that Sherry Papini, who um, Rosie served us the story of Sherry Papini a few months back, um, she had faked her own kidnapping back mm-hmm. in 2016, I believe it was. Um, and then when she was found, she made these false claims and accusations that some Hispanic women had kidnapped her, tortured her for a couple of weeks um, and launched some really racist backlash against the Hispanic community in it was either Texas or California, I can't remember. Um, at any rate, she ended up pleading guilty mm-hmm. um, and she's been sentenced to 18 months in prison. Mm. She also has to pay back $310,000 wow. in restitution to make right to all the people who donated money yeah. and to you know all the authorities who'd spent a lot of time and resources in trying to track her down. Um, and then once she's out of prison, she's going to be on three years of supervised release. And she made a very, very sincere apology and she kept pointing to the mental illness mm-hmm. she was struggling with back then in 2016. 
Um, it came as a surprise that she ended up with such a severe penalty because even the prosecution were only asking for a maximum of eight months in prison and I don't think they were asking for any um, supervised mm-hmm. release after that. But the judge decided to go really hard because of the fact that um, Sherry had had such a negative impact mm. on particularly the Hispanic community um, because there had been, you know, this terrible sort of racially driven hatred um, that was directed towards a lot of people and, you know, a lot of Hispanic people around that time were saying that they were really scared to be seen Mm. going anywhere in groups. They stopped driving certain cars that they thought people might assume could in some way have been connected to the kidnapping. Um, So, yeah, there are those that are saying that that's too lenient a Mm -hmm. sentence. There are some that are saying, well, gosh, that's, that's pretty harsh. She's copying it. She's not appealing it. Um, but, yeah, that's the latest update on Sherry Papini for anyone who was well, curious. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Some news that I have been keeping track of this week has been the Adam and Simon Show podcast, mm-hmm. Friends the Podcast, and I heard this little nice reference in their latest episode which came out on Tuesday. Uh-huh. Simon, I was a guest on Just the Gist recently. <gasps> oh, me too. Yeah. I actually had someone come up to me in Uniqlo and say, hey, best ever episode of Just the Gist. Best <laughs> ever. That's what they said. And then they continue to tell a story uh-huh. involving yours truly, <gasps> Lindsay Green. Get out. So they called me last week because Simon couldn't believe mm. what Adam told him about me not having eaten vegetables <laughs> until a couple of years ago. <laughs> so they called me up and mm. we did a lightning round of what vegetables I have eaten and mm. which ones I am still not over the line with. Okay, so we all need to go and check that out. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to it yet. Um, but yeah, Adam, Simon, love those chaps. And um, Adam really was fascinated by the fact that you're so new to the world of vegetables. I don't know how much we've disclosed on Just the Gist about that because you're in charge of the editing, so I don't know how much you've let go to air. Um, but yeah, you're you're getting in there, aren't you? Yeah, but I do love that there was a Justin out there in Uniqlo stopping the guys saying that it was their favourite episode of Just the Gist yet. Fantastic. I love that they've got that rivalry as well. Yeah, and I hope as well that people are coming up to Charlie Clawson and to Rhea Pitt and Mm -hmm. Michelle and Zara from Shameless and saying that their episodes were their favourite too. Absolutely. Um, So we're going to go ahead and jump into our episode that this week features Mr. Charlie Clawson, who is distractingly (laughs) good-looking. The entire time we were recording with him, I found myself getting a little bit tongue-tied and just staring into his beautiful, beautiful eyes. Um, What did you think of the story? I think that this episode is one of my favourite that Mm. we have recorded with a guest host. Charlie is, yeah, just fantastic, so so funny. And the story itself, it starts off with you thinking the people involved are just like the most insufferable, pretentious douchebags, I guess, for want of a better word. (laughs) Mm. But then you actually come around to them, at least I did. Yeah, they're quite lovable. Yeah. Yeah, I even um, learnt to appreciate tape art, which you're about to hear about (laughs) in this episode. Um, We hope all of you enjoy it, Gistners. Please sit back 
or <laughs> keep walking, do whatever <laughs> you're doing with your headphones in or listening in the car, whatever it may be, please enjoy this story. And best of luck to everyone competing at the London Marathon this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Gistners. Welcome back to Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which ordinarily Rosie Borderland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to discuss at a dinner party. As you all know, Rosie is still taking a bit of time off to look after her health, so we have some extra special guest hosts who've been coming on board to spend some time with us, and this week we welcome Mr. Charlie Clawson. Charlie, welcome to Just the Gist. Thank you. It is an honour to be a, a gister. Is that right? Is that what I am, a, g- a gister? Well, you're helping me give the gist, so I guess yes, I'm you're, a gister. you're a gist giver. Gistee? Gister. We'll workshop that. Okay, but, um, yeah, okay. No, the, the audience are lovingly known as gisners, sometimes just nerds if they're the ones yeah. who listen to every episode a minimum of yeah. three times. Got to really make sure you don't buzz that S in <laughs> just now, don't you? <laughs> it's just, it's very close, very close to being an insult. <laughs> mm. My friends always make sure that they pronounce the T in just the gist to make sure <laughs> it doesn't sound like something else. Um, so, Charlie, thank you so much for coming to spend some time with us. I'd love it if we could kick off with you giving the gistners just the gist of who Charlie Clawson is and what he does. Uh, well, Charlie Clawson is an erstwhile uh, actor, writer, and uh, probably best known these days as a podcaster. I do a podcast with uh, Will Anderson called Two Guys, One Cup, which is also on the Listener Network. We have another one called Tofop. And then, uh, yeah, outside of that, I act in things from time to time. Um, probably most recently people would know me from the Wolf Creek series and before mm-hmm. that Home and Away and uh, Darby and Joan, which uh, has just uh, gone to air in Australia. So um, that's that, that's how I pay my rent. Mm-hmm. I'm not, what do I pay my rent? I have a mortgage. <laughs> so, yeah, still, I forgot. We just had a two, like a 20-minute conversation about the home that I bought before we got on air and I immediately <laughs> forgot. I can imagine it's the sort of thing you want to block out of your mind and think about yeah, as little right. as possible. Now that interest rates have gone through the roof, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So you do a little bit of everything. You're obviously a very, mm. very busy guy, so we'd better keep moving. I did ask you to prepare for us two truths yes. and a lie because we've been playing that game to get to know our guests a little bit better. Um, yep. So if you've done your homework and you're ready to take it away, hit us with your three facts about yourself, one of which is okay. a falsehood, and Lindsay and I will see if we can guess it. Okay. Uh, so the first fact is when I left high school, I began studying to be a priest. Oh. My second factoid is that almost diametrically opposed to the first fact is that I once got into a verbal altercation with Billy Idol at uh, uh, um, uh, the Virgin Atlantic Lounge (laughs) because he cracked onto my wife. (laughs) And the third fact is that um, I was once out partying with a bunch of Australian SAS soldiers and I was dressed like Elvis and my wig caught fire. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So we've got joining the priesthood and we've got almost punch up with Billy Idol and we've got flaming Elvis wig. <laughs> flaming Elvis wig. All right, so number one, I know that you come from a big Catholic family. You're the youngest mm. of nine, I think. Correct. Um, so uh, I 
believe in big Catholic families, it is sort of tradition that they have, you know, at least one of the children join the nunnery and one of them join the priesthood. <laughs> so I feel like that, that one is true. wild enough that it's true. Yeah, I'm going to put that down as a true. You don't seem like um, a man who easily turns to violence. Um I said verbal altercation. Oh, verbal. It was more oh, of a, okay. yeah, it was, it was a tense exchange of words. Uh-huh. I don't know very much about Billy Idol, but maybe he is a little bit lascivious. <laughs> um, that would sort he of. He is very much true. that. Um, I'm going to go with that one's the lie though, because I just, I do love the idea of you with a, a flaming wig on your head. <laughs> 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 Let me just check in with Lindsay. What I'm do you gonna think? I'm going to say the wig is the lie. I wonder if maybe that's a decoy where the story happened, but you're dressed as someone different. And I'm saying Billy Idol's the lie. All right, how do we go? <laughs> Jacob, you are correct. Oh. <laughs> Billy Idol is the lie. <laughs> it, it could have got to that point. He uh, was definitely flirting with my wife. We were on a flight together. Well, not together. He was sitting across from us and he was definitely eyeballing my wife. Mm-hmm. And um, then I think uh, when we got to, when we landed, his driver went to pick him up and... I think he was talking to his driver about about sending his driver over to invite my wife to ride off with him wherever he was headed. <laughs> but then I sort of like stared daggers at him and that seemed to end things. But, yes, that 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 never happened. Ha-ha. I've got a pretty good success rate on this, don't I? Yeah. Doing I was well. very impressed with that. I thought I thought that was kind of because normally when I you know, hear these like these kind of quizzes, it's normally the most People will throw in the most ridiculous story, mm. as, and that's the true one to throw you off the scent. And I mm. thought, oh, they'll have to think Billy Idol's real because why would someone make that up? It's, <laughs> it's so unusual. <laughs> How far did well you done. get into the priesthood? Because uh, I went to a Jesuit school, mm-hmm. and um, in the final year of school, they um, they offer a scholarship where you can go to India and work with missionaries. And generally, that is stage one of going into the priesthood. So you work with these missionaries. So I spent a summer working with uh, missionaries in India. And then when I came back, they sort of like laid out the path of, okay, so if you want to enter the priesthood, blah, blah. It's something that I'd been an altar boy and stuff and something that I'd sort of considered. And I was a virgin. So, you know, I figure, <laughs> well, you know, when you don't know what you're missing out on, what's the big deal? <laughs> uh, and so I did sort of like, cause I had to do a lot of um, after when I came back from India, you do a lot of talks. You get sort of taken on the, I guess, the Catholic speaking to the circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did sort of start down that path, but then I got to the end of the year and I was like, I don't think I I, I am ready for a, a life of, of, of sacrifice. Mm. <laughs> Far too selfish. And I think I want to have sex. I'm yeah. pretty sure I want to have sex <laughs> with, with grown adult women. <laughs> that was, let me just make that abundantly clear too. <laughs> <laughs> or men, that's fine, as long as they're adults. That's, I just want to make that clear. Uh, good caveat, good caveat. Um, <laughs> all right, now we have to hear about the flaming wig, though, before we move on. Yeah, so um, my mate was in the army and uh, he had a, a birthday party that was fancy dressed and the theme was Elvis and Priscilla. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went dressed like Jailhouse Rock Elvis with the stripy tee and the black shirt and the black jeans and I had the big pompadour wig. And I met this um, SAS soldier. Is this SAS soldier of tautology? Do you say SAS? I met this SAS guy. I don't know. I was ch- chatting to this dude and and he was. I was saying, so like you're like highly, you've been like in 
war zones and 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 all that. Is it hard to decompress when you come back into mm. civilian life? He said, absolutely. He said, it's very hard. I'm always doing like threat assessments, risk assessments. And I'm like, really? Mm. And he said, yeah. And I said, so what's the threat assessment of where you are right now? And so he looked around the party and he's like, well, I know that there's four exits over there. Um, if something goes down, there's a pile of bricks. I can use those as weapons. Mm. I see that guy over there is about 6'3". He's probably my biggest threat. I can see that, you know, if I need a, 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 an extension weapon, there's a broom over there. And, and so as he's talking, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, like he's mm. like the Terminator. And then I could smell something burning and I look in my reflection in the kitchen window and I'm standing under one of those heaters, those <laughs> gas heaters, and my wig is on fire. So this SAS soldier has just told me that he's like he can perceive danger, you know, 360-degree angle. I'm standing a foot from him and my hair's on fire and he hasn't said shit. So I don't know about the state of Australia's defence force, but I think we're in trouble. I think we're in trouble. <laughs> Do you know for a fact he really was in the SAS? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, look, he was definitely a soldier. He might have been bullshitting about the SAS, yeah. but he was definitely a, a soldier. <laughs> it feels like he was talking a really big game yeah. and then just undermined yeah. himself in the most dramatic way possible. I mean, I literally had to pull it off my head and stamp it out with my foot, and I was just saying to him, mate, like, you could have, like, told me. <laughs> Did he have an excuse? He's no, too busy monitoring the exits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too busy scanning the backyard for threats. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's hysterical. Very good. Okay, well, that's my new favourite game of Two Truths and a Lie. Thank you very much for that. My pleasure. Um, just one final thing. I don't think it came up earlier. Um, Dadpod is something that I know yes. has been super, super popular. That That's a project you did with Rosie's soulmate, Osha Gunsberg. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> Yeah, so Osh and I uh, became dads about the same time. He's a little boy, Wolfie. He's a month older than my daughter, Iona. Mm -hmm. And so we had discussed kind of doing, uh, documenting it in, in like a podcast, like almost like a documentary. And then we're like, oh, but maybe we should sort of like, you know, give dad some advice as well. And the first season is chaotic because it's literally going through the last couple of months of pregnancy and then childbirth and then being brand new dads and mm. we're do documenting it in real time. And then we came out of that and was like, oh, God, that was a bit crazy. Maybe we should add some facts into the mix so <laughs> like we can, mm. you know, tell other dads books we've been reading and things we've seen. So that was season two. And then that got really difficult because we're lazy and doing the mm. research. So then we hired a researcher for season three. Mm. And um, and so we tried to like would give our stories and then we'd bring this research in. But then I felt kind of like a complete um, uh, imposter because I'm like, what am I doing giving dads advice? I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. Mm. So now season four, I think we've nailed the format, which is Osha and I will come in and we'll tell our stories. But then we bring in like an expert, like a uh -huh. pediatrician or like a mental health expert or, or someone, nutritionist. Mm -hmm. um, to, to help us kind of wade through the many pitfalls of, of being a new dad. It's not just for dads. We say, you know, mum, dads, dad, dads, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. your uh, role in the family is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good podcast for a, a market in which there is not much out there mm -hmm. for dads. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of parenting podcasts, but they tend to be skewed towards mums or mum and dad. You know, we just say, this is a podcast by dads for dads who don't want to be shit dads. Mm -hmm. That's the, uh, that's the byline. 
Well, look, I got to tell you, you've nailed your brief. I wanted to specifically bring up Dad Pod because when my friends found out you were coming on just the gist, they were chuffed because so many of them binged Dad Pod, found it oh. super, super helpful. Over the last few years, oh, I've been experiencing the baby apocalypse throughout the pandemic. It's yeah. just been new parent, new parent, new parent. All my friends have sort yeah. of reach the next phase of their Pokemon evolution. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, you've been providing this invaluable help service to them and they're incredibly grateful and they all told me to say hi. <laughs> but don't worry, I won't list all their uh, names. Well, hi, friends of Jacob. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Uh, so anything else we need to have a chat about before we kick off? I think we can get started. Let's do this. So this is the story of a time a group of artists who'd been recently evicted from their home by a group of developers had the cheeky idea to try living inside a shopping mall full-time, 24 hours a day for at least seven days, and they ended up staying in that mall for a lot longer than they'd originally planned because they were still living in that mall when they got caught four years later. This is just the gist of the secret mall apartment in Providence, Rhode Island. Do you know anything about it, Charlie? No, I'm immediately fascinated. Like my mind immediately goes to like, you know, Dawn of the Dead when they hold mm. themselves up in the shopping centre because it's like the best place to... I'm fascinated by like how does your day function? Are you going to like 40 winks to sleep? Are you heading to the food court to eat? Like, do you have to sort of structure your day around the geography of the mall? I'll be well, answering I'm, I'm those to... question as we go Okay, along. brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. um, but, yeah, I thought um, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, whatever that movie's called, the, Dawn of the, Dead. the same thing. Um, and there have been several other movies with fewer zombies where the protagonist gets locked in a mall overnight or yeah. for an extended period of Career time. Career opportunities, mall rats. How many can we name? Yes. And it's sort of like this fantasy that a lot of people have. I don't know if you had this fantasy as a kid growing up as well of what it would be like if you got to be alone in a shop or a shopping centre. There overnight. was an episode of season two of The O.C. where they get locked in a mall mm. and they also all sorts of hijinks uh, play out over the few hours. So definitely growing up, that was a fantasy of mine. You too, Charlie? Yeah. I, I think of the scene of Bill and Ted's bogus, uh, no, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where they take all the historical figures to the mall and they just run rampant. Genghis Khan goes into rebel sport or the equivalent of rebel sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And rides a, can immediately ride a skateboard and it's never justified. <laughs> Hang on, Genghis Khan can ride a skateboard? <laughs> how, can he, how can he suddenly do that? Just go with it, just go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of this really hedonistic fantasy that people have that they'd be able to just cut loose and do whatever they wanted if they got the opportunity to be alone yeah. in the mall. These artists got that opportunity and they took full advantage of it. Can I ask what you guys, what's the first thing, the first thing you'd do? Is it food? Is it like appliances? What's the first thing you go for? Outfits. Fancy outfits. Right. I'd just go and put on something ridiculously <laughs> opulent that I could strut around the place in. I was going to say boost juice, but that's not very Boost juice? <laughs> oh, my God. You've got thousands of dollars worth of merchant. Having said that, my mind did go, I hope it's a mall in Queensland so I can go to Donut King. Yeah. I would just stick my head under the cinnamon <laughs> donut dispenser and just like like Homer yeah. Simpson, just sit there at the home. Dump, dump, one after the other. <laughs> yeah, or watching um, some telly on the really big screens. Mm. 
<laughs> you can do that. Everything you've described you can do without a shopping centre. I, I, I want to watch TV with a boost juiced. <laughs> Lindsay's a woman of simple tastes a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. My second stop would be the makeup counters and I'd just be playing mm. around there for hours and hours, I'm sure. All right, so... Our story, it takes place in Rhode Island, which is the smallest state in the USA. And as I learned this week, not actually an island. The capital city of Rhode Island, as I might have mentioned, is Providence. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, downtown Providence was going through a bit of a rejuvenation project. There were heaps of property developments happening all around the city, old buildings being torn down and replaced with shiny new ones. And the local hipster artist community really weren't thrilled to see their city becoming so sterile and gentrified and sanitized, particularly not the members of one collective who lived and worked in this gorgeous old factory that they called Fort Thunder. Now, Fort Thunder was a multi-purpose art space where this commune lived and they hosted all these punk rock concerts and exhibitions and raves. Heaps of artists would come and use the space as their studio. Um, And then for 11 of the artists, it was also their residential address. It was their home. And I want to kind of give you a mental image of what Fort, Fort Thunder looked like. It was like there was artwork on every single surface of every room, on the ceiling, the walls, the floors. There was just art everywhere you looked. And the members of Fort Thunder loved their home, but they could see exactly what was coming, that their beloved space was very likely to be on the chopping block fairly soon. It was likely to be demolished at some point in the near future. And sure enough, some developers decided Fort Thunder was sitting on land that would be much better utilised as a parking lot than as an (laughs) hipster art space. Uh. So all those artists were evicted and the historic old factory was knocked down to the ground. Joni Mitchell was right. Mm-hmm. Pave paradise mm. and you put up a parking lot. Yeah, she wrote that song about these guys, I believe. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm. She, she could see 30 years into the future. <laughs> uh, one of those Fort Thunder artists was a guy called Michael Townsend who seems like a really sweet, gentle, chilled kind of dude. You're stoner. I'm just, I'm just, I'm reading stoner when you say that. Artist who's like totally chill. Yeah, I know this guy. One way to I know plenty that. of these guys. Ninety yeah, percent <laughs> of my friends are these guys. Are this guy? <laughs> Not casting any aspersions on anyone. Um, so Michael, as well as his wife Adriana and a few other artists, were mourning the loss of their home, Fort Thunder, and also lamenting the transformation they were watching the entire city going through. And whenever they got together, they'd talk about how wrong it felt that there were so many residential properties that were being replaced by commercial properties like shopping malls, supermarkets, and people were getting pushed further and further out into the suburbs. And they were like, it's going to reach a point where the only way you'll be able to actually live in the city is if you live inside a shopping mall. And coincidentally, around that time, we're in 2003 now, the Providence Place Mall, the biggest mall in the city, was running a radio ad campaign that featured a woman talking very enthusiastically about how great it would be 
if we could all live in the mall and never had to leave. What a nightmarish, <laughs> like a night mm. dystopian nightmarish notion. Mm. <laughs> like that's awful. What? It's like something you'd see in an ad in Robocop <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> never leave the mall. Yes. Well, who needs fresh air? Mm. Yes. Or natural light. <laughs> Or natural light, yeah. It's one thing to fantasise about having a night or two stuck in there and having a bit of a party. It's another to think about the rest of your life being spent <laughs> You can there. never leave. Mm. Anyway, the topic just sort of kept coming up with Michael and Adriana and their artist friends and the more they talked and joked about living at the mall and envisaging what it would be like to become a full-time mall resident the more seriously they started to take the concept and the joking sort of morphed into making actual real-world plans to try to spend an entire week living full-time at the Providence Place Mall. They really wanted to find out whether someone could comfortably exist there without having to leave. And they were mostly doing it just for fun. It was a game, Mm. but it was a game that they were taking very seriously and they did think it had the potential to make a bit of a statement in an artsy sort of way about how residential and commercial properties can come together. I mean, it does nothing for the stereotype about artists <laughs> that they're, you know, the thing they create also involves a little bit of mooching off the system. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no, we're making a statement. We're not just being lazy as fuck mm, <laughs> and, mm. like, expecting other people to feed and shelter us. No, we're making, this is art. We're making a statement. Yep, yep. Yeah, my mate Barry who won't get off the couch, yeah, he's making <laughs> a statement. <laughs> Living rent-free so that other people don't have to. They can watch yeah. and enjoy yeah. our experience vicariously. Yeah. Um, they figured that they could shower at the gym each day and they'd, of course, <laughs> eat at the food courts. They could use the public toilets whenever they needed. They started making lists of things that they'd take with them versus what they would then buy at the shops once they got there. Their one big hurdle was where they were going to sleep overnight because they knew it was far yeah. too risky to do what you'd suggested earlier and, you know, head into 40 wings to and Snooze. lie down <laughs> on one of their mattresses. And that would be like so, I imagine, like you'd feel like you're being mocked. if you, Well, you're sleeping on the hard concrete but you're staring at a showroom mm-hmm. with all these like amazingly soft mattresses and you're like trying to fluff up the pillow on, <laughs> on one of those benches by the... By the fake fountain. Suck. (laughs) Such resentment. Um, So they were trying to sort of come up with a solution to this problem when Michael suddenly remembered something he'd seen a few years ago when the Providence Place Mall was being built back in the 1990s. He'd clocked what he believed was a secret space with an entrance that was hidden in plain sight in the perimeter of the mall. He hadn't thought about it for years but the memory just sort of hit him right when he needed it. He used to run past the mall construction site every single morning and when he did, he'd stop and have a little bit of a sticky beak at the progress they were making. And as the mall was taking shape, he sort of tried to work out what the floor plan was going to be, trying to figure out what walls were going to be for boutiques, what for toilets, Mm. what for staff rooms, where the car parks were going to be. Yeah, where (laughs) am I going to move in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just sort of like a little game for him to figure out what the layout was going to look like. And he remembered noticing while he was playing that game that there was this weird sort of void, this area of space that didn't seem to have 
any kind of purpose. It was just like an offcut of space in the middle of the building that only seemed to exist because the chunk of land where the mall was built was kind of awkward. It was kind of like a great big rectangle that then had a river running through it diagonally. So they had to kind of build over the top of that. Plus there was this great big highway overpass nearby. So they had to have a big curved exterior wall as well. By the way, but can I just let the listeners know that the, the listeners, what do you call them? No, no, the, the, the gist, j, j, no hang on. That, that's, <laughs> I didn't say that. Bleep that. The gistners mm-hmm. that Jacob uh, said before we started recording, just wait to see how much I use my hand movements. As he was giving you the, the floor plan of the shopping centre, he was drawing in the air like goodwill hunting at a blackboard. Man, there was lo- there was rivers going diagonally across the screen and he was going, there's a crawl space in here. I can see it. It was beautiful. It was very illustrative. I hope if you put the, any clips on social, it'll be that one because it was amazing. You're like a maestro really conducting the thin air. <laughs> All right, so you've got a good mental picture of how sort of awkwardly shaped the mall had to be. And Michael assumed that the architects had just had to sort of forfeit this bit of weird space when they were trying to fit in all the shops and car parks they knew they were going to need. And he also remembered noticing at that time that two of the outer walls that were supposed to come together and form a corner hadn't actually connected. So they'd left this narrow gap between the ends of these two walls. So I have a question. Yeah. So, sir, I know I know I keep interrupting. No, that's but... what you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have you in your life ever paid that much attention to a building site? Not one. Have you gone past a building site and studied it to such an extent that you could tell me where there was voids and where walls connected and stuff? Like this sounds like I'm sure it's this is all true, mm. but why is he taking such notice of this construction site? How has he memorised? I don't think he has a lot else on. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. So Michael at this point was teaching people how to draw with coloured sticky tape, (laughs) as in make murals in public spaces by sticking pieces of coloured sticky tape together (laughs) to make pictures. And I can't imagine he had a lot of students. Yeah, his brain works differently to ours. And, yeah, as Lindsay said... He had some time of a morning to... <laughs> yeah. Because it is odd, right? That I mean, the, the description you've given is so specific mm. and detailed. It's like I, I could go past the same building site a hundred times and would not have noticed half the things you're describing. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. Lindsay's nodding okay, as good. well. Like I, none <laughs> yeah. of us would take the time to notice this sort of stuff, but according to Michael, he clocked it. And it really just made him at the time feel disdain for the designers of the mall. I mean, overall, he thought it was a hideous monstrosity of a building and he just decided that the architects must be a bit sloppy and a little bit lazy and moved on with his life. Unlike Michael, who's contributing (laughs) so much. (laughs) I mean, if you were making the movie of this story... (laughs) <laughs> this would be the plant moment that you'd pay off later in the film mm. where it's like, but you need to connect it to the larger narrative. So this is the writer and me talking, but mm. there would need to be some incident that like Michael was doing one of his like street art with sticky tape type things and he gets moved on by like the site manager of this construction site because, hey, kid, you can't do your sidewalk sticky tape art here because <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And where am I meant to go? I don't know. Exit through that gap in the wall and you see him walk through. Mm. And so you, you plant that in the first act so you think nothing of it. Then 
at the end of the first act, as you go into the main story, and his partner's like, "But how do we get into the mall?" You have like a little flashback to, "Hey, kid, you can't use ticket." Sorry, I just thought I <laughs> should include that. That's how that's how you'd work it into the if movie. Only, if you're if you're wondering, if any producers out there were wondering, only that hired a professional screenwriter yeah. to put this story together. Uh, yeah, no, this was just purely observed from afar, and Michael never bothered to go and check whether they'd closed up that gap between the walls. Uh, He just allowed four years to pass by with him sticking tape to walls and teaching others to do (laughs) the same. And then Uh, he found himself there in 2003 debating with his friends where they might be able to sleep for seven nights in the shopping mall. And he told his friends about what he remembered he'd seen and said he was pretty sure that if that gap hadn't been sealed up, a person could maybe get into that awkward-shaped void he'd clocked and they'd be able to comfortably, safely sleep there. So when he got a chance, Michael and Adriana (laughs) took some torches and they went down to do some reconnaissance at the mall The gap in the walls was still there, only about 30 centimetres roughly wide, and if you were slender enough, you could just turn yourself sideways and shuffle through it and find yourself in a dark, empty space that then connected to some narrow, accidental corridors, each about half a metre wide roughly, and they led to a series of different chambers of various sizes and heights and shapes, and, Michael and this is not Harry Potter. We're not describing Hogwarts because it sounds very Hogwartian. No, 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 no. <laughs> All these secret chambers and corridors that lead nowhere and stuff. This is a mall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a mall designed in the 90s. And okay. we all know how beautiful those buildings were. <laughs> yeah. So they were the first people probably to set foot in there since the mall had opened and they enjoyed themselves, took their time exploring all the different spaces, which were still filled with all kinds of debris left over from the construction of the mall. And then finally they came to this L-shaped room that was sort of roughly the size of a one-bedroom apartment and they were like, this is it, jackpot. We've got exactly what we need. Then they found that you could get to that L-shaped room directly into the mall through another accidental corridor that had been abandoned. So it was perfect. They'd found the ideal base camp for their one-week mission at the mall. So this was not, there was no boxes in there or anything. It's just an empty room that had a corridor linking it to the proper mall. Mm-hmm. And no one ever the went rubbish in that had been left behind, the chip packets and the cable right. ties. and the From the original build. From the original build, yeah. Okay. No one had been in there ever since. Mm. So they reported back to their Fort Thunder comrades about what they'd found and that's when the mission objective changed. The challenge wasn't going to just be to stay at the mall for a week. They were going to secretly set up a permanent residence and live there until they either got caught or got bored. And over the next six months, sorry, you wanted to ask something? Yes, so you saw you saw my mouth curl yeah. into a question. <laughs> so they only made the decision on discovery of the room yep. that they would just say, let's see how long. So originally it was let's do a week mm-hmm. and then it's like this is so good, let's just see how long until we get kicked out. That's okay. right. 
Yeah. How many people does it say? How many? A total. I think at the beginning they started with four or five. By the end there were eight people who Manageable. were involved in the project. Too many. Too many people. Mm. <laughs> four, I'm like, okay, one bedroom apartment. Four, that's all right. It's like having a flatmate with a partner. That's okay. But eight, no, mm. that's bad. Well, they decided from the outset they weren't all going to live there at the same time. They were going to okay. set up a roster so there'd always be <laughs> someone there and they would only be staying there for a few weeks at the time. So they all had their normal residence that they would go back to, but then they'd go and do their service, their fourth under service, living in the mall for a few weeks. I love anarchists who stick to a roster. (laughs) (laughs) They had a spreadsheet to allocate chores to everyone while they were there. Yep, absolutely. The revolution will be scheduled. (laughs) (laughs) Tightly managed. Um, Yeah, so they went ahead and they covertly set the space up as a fully furnished livable apartment. Um, Started off by carrying (laughs) out all the debris in backpacks and then sneaking some essentials in there in those same backpacks. And they tried to make sure they were purchasing everything at the shops in the mall as a way of, in their words, preserving the mall ecosystem because they (laughs) felt the integrity of that was really important to the experiment. Um, They used extension cords to access the mall's electricity supply. They set up lamps, heaters, built a makeshift bed base and bought in a mattress they'd bought at the 40 Winks in the mall. And... It was very, very Spartan to begin with, but it had everything they needed to survive and be relatively comfortable. And, yeah, then they got to the roster, spending two to three weeks there at a time before they'd hand over the keys to the next person. Wow, two to three weeks. Um, and so none of these people have real jobs. They're artists. They they're sticky for. taping the footpath, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I missed, of course. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Michael in particular, he was actually travelling the country a fair bit at this time. Um, so, you know, he'd have to make his travel arrangements to go and teach people how to do tape murals <laughs> um, based around his commitments <laughs> to the mall apartment. His- Um, And they were doing a lot of work there as well. Like a lot of time and energy was going into making improvements and enhancements over the next four years to try to make the place as plush and homely as possible. But there would have been a point where, like I don't know what you guys are like, but when I did used to rent and something went wrong in the house, part of me is like, why am I fixing it? (laughs) Like like chances are like I'm going to get evicted, I'm going to move out anyway, so I'll just live with it because it's not mine. I don't own it. Mm. I can't believe because they would have had to at some point, who knows what their expectations were about getting caught. Maybe they thought at best we'll get a, 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 a month. Mm. So there would have been a point at which they're like, let's not put too much effort in. Let's not try and lug in like a three-seater couch or anything like that. Oh, my friend. But then, oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there would be a point where you're like, let's not break our backs with making this room too nice because this is, after all, this is just an experiment Mm -hmm. and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to kind of work too hard. But then there would be a point where it's like, look, we're coming here a lot. Mm -hmm. We need to make it more comfortable. I'd be interested to know what the demarcation point was for that. Yeah, I mean, they seemed fairly determined from the very beginning that they were going to make it a proper apartment as soon as they could. It definitely did take time. Um, but I guess that sort of that, that plays into their comment on society, mm. right? It's like you can live in a mall almost immediately. Like you can set up an apartment in a mall immediately. Mm-hmm. So that does make mm-hmm. sense. 
Um, but yeah, given the limited resources and the fact that, you know, it was a bit tricky to sneak all the materials into the mall. Um, mm. uh, yeah. Could you get a boost juice in there and a big screen TV? Because <laughs> Lindsay would have been stoked. <laughs> I don't ask for much. <laughs> you wouldn't stay for three weeks and be there all the time. It's like, guys, I'm taking over the roster. I'd run out of <laughs> flavors by three it's weeks. It's just Lindsay's maybe. place now. Yeah. And we don't yeah. need to make it too plush. I've got my very, very Just give, drop off a boost juice every couple of days. Make sure the power's connected so she can watch the big screen TV. Um, and you're only watching like in-mall ads, not even <laughs> like streaming stuff. <laughs> it's just like La Perla ads and bras and things and stuff just on loop. Yeah. I think, is Lindsay okay? <laughs> she seems happy. When I was growing up, the Harvey Norman or whatever equivalent was in Ogurodonga where I am from, would always play Ice Age and my sister and I used to have a joke that we got, we never had to go and see Ice Age at the cinema because we got our money's worth from going to the Wodonga Shopping Plaza enough. (laughs) You watched it over a six-month period in five-minute chunks. Yeah. Oh, your mum got a pretty good deal out of that then, didn't she? All right. Makes financial sense. Let me explain how elaborate they'd made this place because they... They built walls and they put in lockable <laughs> doors. Like they really wanted to make this comfortable and also safe and secure. They set up a kitchen with a fridge and a whole bunch of different cooking appliances. They bought in a four-piece couch and a love seat oh my God. and a rug <laughs> and a dining table and potted plants and a coffee <laughs> table. And they covered the walls in framed artworks and they set up a TV and a PlayStation so they could play Grand Theft Auto whenever they weren't spending their time roaming around the 13-acre mall. Plenty of space for them to explore and they could definitely get their steps in each day. And so I imagine this is happening at night, right? Because you can't be making noise, drilling and hammering during the day because you might arouse security. Although mm. at night it might be easier to hear. So when do you do it? Maybe during the day is better mm. when you've got the Muzak to drown it out. I don't think sound was really a risk for them. I think that they were fairly well insulated in that regard. Right. Um, and they did go wandering around at nighttime, but whenever they were bringing supplies into the mall, they would do it at the busiest period so they could sort of fade into the crowd as much as possible. Um, mm. They thought that would draw less attention to them, and I guess that approach worked. Um, And whenever they'd go out just wandering around as well, they would um, camouflage themselves by putting on, like, polo shirts and car keys and fancy-ish belts and carry around empty Nordstrom bags. So, you know, they just look like the regular, bland, middle-class mall shopper. Um, They took it to a real extreme when they brought in this really huge fancy glass and timber credenza so they could display all their fine china and beautiful crystal stemware. Yeah, they'd really tried to make it as much of a luxury apartment as they could and for all intents and purposes, they did. Apart from the lack of plumbing and natural light, this was a fully functioning apartment. Okay, can we just, like, go back to the original artistic intent? Mm. The artistic statement of this was, <laughs> can a human being live in a mall? Mm-hmm. 
At what point when you start bringing in like fine crystal <laughs> are you gilding the lily a bit? The question has been answered, yes, clearly. But now it's like it's not the question wasn't how well can a human <laughs> live in a mellow to, to what opulence. Mm. I'd be interested to know the artistic debate that took place between those eight residents about Gerald, do we really need the crystal <laughs> set? Like I think this is like this is this seems excessive. <laughs> They weren't finished at this point. They still had plans oh, okay. for more they were going to do. Like an in-ground pool? <laughs> Is that what's coming next? <laughs> sauna, infrared sauna? They were going to start off with a second bedroom and they were also going to install floorboards <coughs> and they had plans to find a way to tap into the mall plumbing system so they could put in a flushing toilet because that was the ultimate luxury they really wanted to not yeah. have to keep going out to the public toilets every time they needed to do number That's, one or number two. Uh, uh, I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. That'd be, yeah, my top priority. I mean, this to me, it's yeah. it's glamping. They are glamping in a mall. Yes, they're squatting as well. Um, but it's like they're getting a two to three week holiday anytime they go to stay there. It's a fun little novel adventure. But I'm, I'm sure I've paid hundreds of dollars a week for much worse accommodation mm. in Sydney. Like I'm sure like... You know, like I've been in like underground converted garages that which are charging me like <laughs> hundreds, thousands a month mm-hmm. to rent and they weren't didn't sound nearly half as good as what this place mm-hmm. sounds like. Oh, I don't think I mentioned the size of this place as well. It was about 75 square metres, which I understand oh, wow. is like a fairly good size yeah, that's apartment. A, that's a big two-bedroom apartment or one-bedroom yeah, apartment. in Sydney these days I think you'd be paying like $700 a week minimum. Or something Clearly, like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, then while they had all these grand plans to do more to continue to enhance their secret apartment, things went pear-shaped, of course. Uh, so one evening in 2007, the artists who were at that time in residence at the apartment came home after a long day of roaming the mall in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> and they found that their door seemed to have been kicked open from the outside and they cautiously went in and looked around and realised that some of their items were missing. Some of their artworks were gone from the walls, which was weird because they weren't like The table. So someone, someone took sticky yes. tape off the wall. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Coloured tape? Got taken? They ripped right. the murals down. Um, a photo album was gone, which seemed very strange, and so was their it's beloved creepy. PlayStation. Yeah, they were creeped out. They panicked and they fled. And Michael called an emergency meeting of the artists within the collective, which I haven't mentioned yet. He, he named the collective Trumakind, um, which is kind of off-putting. So Trumakind means child or children of the ruins, and it's a term for orphans in war-torn countries <laughs> in Europe oh, who had to fend for themselves growing up oh. without their parents in bombed-out cities after World War Two, And, like, these are grown adult hmm. Gen Xs who are drawing a parallel between themselves and these kids just because <laughs> they're hey, glancing in, in a shopping as, mall. As, 
as as a member of Gen X, I get it. We are the most self-involved <laughs> group, and with such a sense of abandonment, we were we were abandoned by the baby boomers and rejected by the millennials. Uh-huh. It makes okay, sense okay. that we would see ourselves as the it's the what do you call it the central character syndrome. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is all about us, and we've got it worse mm-hmm. than anyone. All right, well that makes sense now. Right. <laughs> they felt like they'd been abandoned and left to grow up. Abandoned in a state of ruins. Yeah, man, we're the overlooked generation. <laughs> Um, so Team Trumakind had this emergency meeting to discuss the break-in at the apartment. They had no clue who'd done it. They had no idea how they'd found the space or why they'd taken what they'd taken, but it was clear they needed to enhance security and tighten up their protocols to make sure they could keep the experiment going. They all agreed that the necessary measures from here were everyone had to solemnly swear not to bring any guests to the apartment and not to tell anyone about its existence. They'd already been flapping their lips, I'm sure, telling everyone Uh, about this. Like, what's the point of having something like this if you're not going to be letting people know about it? So I'm sure the secret wasn't that well kept. The first rule of secret shopping mall (laughs) room is don't talk about secret shopping mall room. That's it. Um, Then the other rule that they decided they were going to commit to was because the break-in had happened during daylight hours, they should only access the apartment at night for their sleepovers, assuming that the thieves were most likely to return during the day if they did come back. Weeks went past with these new measures in place. There were no further signs of any outsiders entering the apartment at any point, so Michael felt secure enough to break both of the rules that he'd asked everyone to commit to at the emergency meeting. One day in October, he was hosting an artist visiting from Hong Kong. Her name was Jaffa Lam, And she was renowned for her installation pieces and she was just really, really cool. And Michael was gagging to show her his piece he'd been working on. (laughs) Not a euphemism. I bet you he was. (laughs) His his installation um, that he was so proud of. So he decided to take the risk and take Jaffa on a tour of the secret apartment, hoping to impress her, which he did. She was very, very impressed, and he was telling her about their plans for the floorboards and the second bedroom. And then just as they were heading to the door to leave, they heard voices on the other side of it. And they heard what sounded like the static from a walkie-talkie. And they both froze. And then seconds later, the door burst open and in walked three very cranky-looking men from centre management. And Michael didn't know what else to do at this point, so he just smiled widely and threw his arms up in the air and said, Surprise! (laughs) And Jaffa was just sort of standing there like, I don't know what's going on, but this is art. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't try to resist or run out the back passageway. They just cooperatively went down to the mall security office and waited for the cops to come and arrest them for trespassing. And while they were waiting, Michael was told the break-in at the apartment had been done by two of the newest, keenest, freshest recruits to the mall security team who'd spotted the artist going in and out of the same access point, um, which no one else was using inside the mall. And so they'd done a little bit of sniffing around, and when they found that they couldn't open up the locked door and they didn't have the keys, 
they'd busted it open and when they found the apartment inside, they decided to take any items that they thought might be useful in helping them identify who the squatters were. So that's why they'd oh. gone for the photo album, <laughs> the tape art on the walls. Yeah. Um, why the PlayStation? Because <laughs> you log in. Some games you log in, they uh, you could like you log your uh, name and high score, yeah, yeah, things like that. Depending on what year uh-huh. it was, but that could be that could be something. These guys were wannabe at, yeah. detectives, and hey, maybe they actually would have made <laughs> decent detectives after all. Yeah, it didn't give them any leads, so they just waited till they spotted someone entering the space while they were on shift, and Michael and Jaffa gave them exactly what they were waiting for. And eventually they were taken down to the cop shop for questioning. Jaffa was released pretty quickly, but Michael had to spend the night in jail. And then from the next day onwards, the company who owned the mall went really hard trying to have him charged with all the felonies they could think of, breaking and entering, destruction of property, disturbing the peace, causing a safety risk. So he went to court shortly thereafter and the judge was really confused at first about what was going on and then he started hearing the evidence as it was being presented to him by the mall's lawyers and then he ended up just cutting the lawyer off and saying, look, what this guy and his friends did was very, very weird but this wasn't a crime. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. There's no proof of theft, no proof of vandalism, no proof of breaking and entering. I will agree he was trespassing, but that's just a misdemeanor. So I hereby sentence him to a slap on the wrist. And if you could all please leave so that I could focus my attention on actual (laughs) crimes, that would be (laughs) terrific. So huge relief to Michael. And Michael said he could tell that from the small amount the judge did here, it seemed like he was genuinely impressed. (laughs) by what Michael and his friends had been able to pull off and maybe even a little tickled by it, but he didn't have time to sit around and be entertained with the story of this secret mall apartment. He had to request that everyone let him get back to his proper job. Yeah. So He had uh, he had bodily autonomy rights to take away from women. <laughs> or was that, no, that was 20 years down the track when he's on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And that judge is Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> Uh, at least he did one good thing in his past. <laughs> one redeeming act. Uh, so Michael was a free little trumakind with no criminal charges, um, didn't even have to pay a fine, and the mall even had to go through the indignity of returning all of the items from the apartment <laughs> to Michael and <laughs> So they got charged with theft. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> But the mall owners did have one move left to play. They issued Michael a notice that he was banned from the mall for the rest of his days. Oh, no. They made it clear to him that if he came anywhere near the perimeter of the private property, he would be arrested on the spot. And they asked... I love it. <laughs> that that the, the most brutal punishment is the thing that you level at a 15-year-old yes. skater. <laughs> like, that's the best they can do. It's like, you... Oh, and this peanut can't come to the mall. That's right. He was the 665th person they'd issued that ban <laughs> notice to and all the rest of them it had been for violations to do with chewing gum or spray paint <laughs> or rollerblading and he'd live there <laughs> in an apartment he'd set up for four years. 
Amazing. And he was just sort of like, yep, okay, that's fair. And he has never returned to the mall ever since. 15 years later, he still hasn't even gone close. And, of course, at the time, this got a decent bit of media attention because it's such a quirky story. And Michael and Adriana, who it was only those two and one other artist that we know the identities of. The other's identities have been protected. Oh, so he didn't roll over Mm -hmm. on them. Mm -hmm. Michael, bloody tight lips, bloody Michael. Mm -hmm. He's a good guy. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they went on TV were interviewed in newspapers. They spoke about how much That's fun why it I was. didn't mention him. He's just trying to keep all the profits yeah. from selling this story. Spotlight yeah. on me, thanks. I want everyone to know about yeah. me and my tape art. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, they t- again and again said that they really, really hoped that they would have access to this ultimate adult cubby house forever and they'd be able to keep making improvements to it and they'd be able to take their kids there one day and then they'd be able to hand it down to them and then to the next generation. (laughs) Um, So they were talking about how much fun it was and how much they loved it. Even just boring domestic duties like cleaning in the apartment were way more fun than they were at home. But at the same time, Michael clearly had to issue an apology publicly. So on his blog... I'll post a link to it. It's very lengthy. Um, he posts this very, um, you could read it as sincere, but you could also read it as sarcastic, lengthy apology right. to the police in Providence for wasting their time having oh. to investigate the case and to the security guards for making them look incompetent, which he swears was not his intention, and to the mall owners for making it seem like they were being disrespected and made to look like fools and I recommend reading it and when you do, just read it with a sarcastic tone in your head okay. as you're going through it. Anyway, Michael got quite a bit of fan mail from admirers and then, yeah, he was actually able to take all the attention he got from the media to build awareness for his work as a tape artist. Um, Amazing. Which it's kind of a cute concept and he... He's the founder of the tape art movement, as he calls it. Yeah. I was going to say, like, if he releases his memoir about this whole event, would he call it Sticking It to the Man? (laughs) (laughs) You and my friend are going to want to trademark that because he is in the process of writing a book and I doubt he's going to have a title yet. So you claim that. I'm just going to uh, Sticking It to the Man.com. I'm just going to squat on that. Hey, how's that? Wouldn't that be ironic? I squat on his domain name and then he furiously has to evict me and he slaps me with every kind of like like a lawsuit. Imagine. I'll be like, come on, Michael, you and I cut from the same Mm. sticky cloth. Mm. (laughs) Not kidding. Do it because there's also someone working on a documentary with Michael about Mm. this and I doubt it's been named. So Yeah, there you go. Sticking it to the man. Um, the way in which ta- the tape art movement sort of ended up taking off was in corporate training. That's how he sort of developed his popularity. Your eyes just got really wide there. Pod just lays Are you talking about the coloured tape you separate like folder documents in? Is that what I'm saying? Is that you it? You get them to make murals out of the tape oh, okay. in like collaborative team building activities. So he'd sort of give them a brief of a concept. Well, I'll post a video to it because one of his big, big clients that he works with is GE and they've found that he actually has turned out to be a really effective teacher when it comes to helping encourage collaboration and getting people to understand what it means to truly operate as part of a team. Um, That's amazing. So, you know, he's ended up with this sort of 
really successful career. He was even invited to do a <laughs> TED Talk about how successful it's all been. So when I first heard about tape art, I was like, oh, that's very niche Never and um, kind of sad and pathetic. But um, then also when you look at some of the murals they've put together, they're very, very, very impressive. And they're intended to sort of be like graffiti, but that's easily removable. And their main rule is within 24 hours of completing the mural you have to take it down. The whole idea of it okay. is that it's got to be temporary. Oh, yeah, that's a good mm. idea. I like that. Yeah. So I stopped shitting on it the more I learnt about it. We just didn't understand it, man. He was so ahead of his time. We just we didn't understand that's right. Michael. That's right, that's right. Before we wrap up, I really want to talk about my favourite wrinkle in this whole story. Yeah. So since the tale of the secret apartment in the mall went public in 2007, a bunch of folks on the internet have been claiming that they are friends with a security guard at the mall or they worked at the mall and that it's common knowledge that most of the mall security guards were in on the gag the whole time, that they Uh. knew about the secret apartment, that they may have actually been the ones who told Michael and his friends about the space and that Michael's whole story about jogging past and Mm. seeing the floor plan was just made up as a cover-up because he didn't want to out any of the security guards And the guards let them continue to use the space as long as they got to come and use it whenever they wanted as a secondary break room where they could take extra unscheduled paid breaks during their shifts. They could just be like, I'm off to go do a perimeter check and then go and hang out with the artists and play Grand Theft Auto (laughs) for an hour before they'd rock back up at the office. I mean, it Mm. does sound like... That makes because the one thing I can't get past is how Michael memorized the yeah. layout of a mall. I just cou- couldn't imagine why, without knowing what you're going to do in four years' time or whatever it was, ten years' mm. time, that you would remember the floor. But that makes a lot more sense. I mean, I wonder, like, if the truth lies somewhere mm. in between, where maybe he remembered there was that space, and in the snooping around the mall trying to find it, he bumps into a security guard, and then they become friends. That to me, would be the most likely mm. thing because there's a big risk for the security guards to turn a blind eye because they could get in mm. trouble. So, but I think that makes a lot of sense. The idea of having like a secret room that you can just go and have a nap in and play PlayStation and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then again, but then why did the three security guards turn on them? That's the, that's the other question. So the people who came and busted in that day were one security guard and two members of the centre management team, I believe, but it was okay. the two brand new young guns who'd found the apartment in the first place and then we can assume mm. reported it. So I think it's entirely possible that they as new recruits had just not been briefed yet. They haven't been Wet given up. The, that part of the induction about the secret <laughs> apartment yeah. with the artists living in it and how we turn a blind eye to that. So, I mean, that tracks for me. I mean, there's your spin-off sequel you tell, you tell one story, sticking it to the man, it's coming soon, <laughs> and then you tell the story about the wide-eyed young security guard who gets a job at the mall and finds it's just corrupt the core. Like, you know, the security guards are scratching the back of these artists and, you know, he's this idealistic, you know, young kid who's going to, you know, blow the lid off the whole thing. He's going to be the whistleblower. And then, you know, what he has to do, the intimidation tactics of the other security guards and stuff. And you could just completely reframe the story by telling it from a, 
a different. Sorry, I'm doing the writer thing. Screenwriter's got a screenwriter. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, look, take this away and workshop it. You don't just have to take the domain. You can write (laughs) the the entire script, dramatize this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What about you, Lindsay? What do you think? I I think that that is more believable and it would also make sense yeah. that if the new guys, I'm just imagining the new guys are in the break room and they say to an older guy like, oh, like have you seen those like crazy cats wandering around all the time going to that secret entrance? Mm. And the older guys don't want to be like, oh, yeah, we've been in on it the whole time. Mm. So they'd be like, no, nah, yeah. never seen them. And then the new guys would swoop yeah. in, kick the door open, mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah tracks yeah i think that makes sense because also too like you're not bringing the new guys in on in on the thing until you get a, a fair sense of can they be trusted mm-hmm. are you need a couple of weeks but if if what you're saying is right the kids noticed it first mm-hmm. thing so they didn't have time to kind of word yep, them yep. up that's interesting mm-hmm. i reckon that's yeah that's what happened i think i think we've solved it yep. that's it <laughs> Case closed. Case closed. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully we get the same judge. <laughs> um, and so that was just the gist of the secret mall apartment in Providence, Rhode Island. And if you want more than just the gist, I'll post some links. Michael does have a website, um, the Trumakin website. It's kind of unloved. <sighs> it hasn't been curated for a very long time. Um, and it only features six photographs that he took Well, that's inside. because there's another website just behind it that uh, someone else is using. So, like, if you just click to the next screen, there's another completely different website that some other artist has set up with their own their own things. <laughs> Tricky dicky. Um, I'll also post a couple of articles uh, about the apartment from the time it was revealed and some interviews with Michael and Adriana. There's also a really good episode of the podcast, 99% Invisible, that Michael was interviewed for telling this whole story and talking about his motivation and saying it really wasn't an artwork and it wasn't a stunt, it was just a game and it was fun. But then later on he sort of admits, oh, actually it was a bit of all of the above. Um, And also we'll post some photos on the Just The Gist Instagram of Fort Thunder so you can get an idea of the aesthetic there and pictures of the apartment because um, you've kind of got to see it to believe it. You would never I'm know. looking it up as we speak. Oh, what <laughs> are you looking, looking at? I've um, just gone to, I think I've misspelled Trumakin. What's the actual spell? T-R-U-M-M-E-R-K-I-N-D. Trumakin. Yes, this is it. Okay, cool. Ah, yeah, it looks great. <laughs> I could. That looks like an apartment you'd rent on like the Lower East Side of, of mm-hmm. Manhattan. It's amazing. In Manhattan, it would probably be far less spacious and have more vermin yeah. infestation. It looks good, though. They look like they're having fun. They're just sitting around the coffee table playing video yeah. games. It's beautiful. It's got a bit of exposed, like, cinder block yep. wall. That's the one they built. I mean, they really That's did have the wall they built. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, no, this is fascinating. I'm going to definitely check yeah, this we'll out. post some pics. Um, yeah, and if you've got any questions, any other theories, by all means, send us a DM on the Instagram at Just The Gist Podcast or straight to me at Jacob William Stanley. Charlie, thank you so, so much for joining us and coming along on this oh, ride thank you, for us. What a blast. Where can the Gistners find you? Ah, I am on Twitter at, uh, at CXClawson on Twitter and Instagram is Charlie underscore Clawson. Um, and you can also go to tofop.com to discover all the podcasts I do, as I said before, some with Will Anderson, some on my own and some with Will on his own. But there is a 
12 years worth of podcasts there. So <laughs> knock yourselves out. a really good time. Um, I love it whenever Will gets into analysing films in way more depth than I would ever bother to think. Um, that is one of the favourite things that you guys do on TOEFOB. Um, uh, I also listen. Uh, yeah, we've been having a, a five-week five discussion around Top Gun yeah. Maverick, <laughs> why, I hate that, why I hate that film. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're looking for, like, podcasts that have long-running threads about one topic, then you'll love TOEFOB. Um, yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't yet. Um, what have you got coming up for the rest of the year? It's all just pods, baby. I'm actually heading overseas for a project, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to discuss it right now. Um, so Will and I have been madly banking episodes of TOEFOP and FOFOP um, uh, to play while I'm gone. And then hopefully on my return in November, I can talk a little bit more about an exciting new TV project Ooh. that I'm involved Ooh. in. But yeah. Like I said, I've only just signed the contract, so I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it just well, yet. Well, congratulations. And we'll all find out on your socials and on TOEFOP when you can make the announcement, I'm Correct. sure. Terrific. That's All right. right. Uh, thank you again so much. Really enjoyed this. Um, and we'll have yeah, you back too. at some point in the future, I'm sure. I'm going to have to think up three more, one more, more lies about Billy Idol. <laughs> Imagine if every time I do it, it's always a Billy Idol. Like, Charlie, I don't think you're understanding the concept. It's not tell. about telling us one made up Billy Idol story. <laughs> But then the thing is, I actually meet him and something crazy does happen. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, Billy and I, Billy and I, we actually went out. We had a crazy night together. You'll never believe this. I am manifesting that for when you're over in the States that your paths cross once again. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. See you later. Bye. My pleasure. Bye. Listener.